Hey CEO, I have an important question for you today. Are you running your business or is your business running you? If it's time to get your business in order so you can fully step into your role as a confident, in-control CEO, then I want to invite you to this advanced training series that I'm hosting live on May 20th through May 24th. We're calling it the 90 Day CEO Sustainable Success Series. And over these four days, we're gonna break down our research-backed, client-proven process to help you sustainably scale your business without hustling, without overworking, and without burnout. If you've been winging it in your business, hoping that you'll eventually get caught up and telling everyone in your life that when things calm down, you'll be a real functioning human again, this series is especially for you so that you can reclaim your life as you scale up your business. All you have to do is head over to theceocollective.com slash success and sign up. We can't wait to see you there. Hey there, welcome to Uncomplicate Your Business, a weekly podcast where I share how you can keep things simple and strategic to design a successful business and life on your terms. Today, we're talking with my dear friend, Casey Berglund, about how she's created an incredible business that not only marries her love of nutrition and yoga and mindfulness, but also has allowed her to take a cross-country trip across Canada this summer and really spread her message. Check it out. Hey there, Rachel Cook here, business growth strategist and your host for the Uncomplicate Your Business podcast. Today, I am so excited to kick off this very special summer series of interviews to inspire you as you go through the entrepreneurial journey, especially if you're maybe still in those early stages, you're still in year one or two or three. Yes, those are the early stages of your entrepreneurial journey. And chances are you have come up against some challenges that you didn't realize you were going to face. You had to make some tough choices. You had to decide whether you were going to go in one direction or another. And these are the things that I feel like we don't hear about. We don't hear about some of those challenges along the entrepreneurial journey. Instead, when we listen to all these inspiring interviews, we tend to get just the highlight reel instead of the major mistakes that would actually help you right now so that you know what to avoid and how to approach these big decisions. So not too long ago, I was having a little Skype date with my dear friend and client, Casey Berglund, who is just incredible, as you're going to hear in our conversation. And we were catching up and we were saying, I can't believe it's been a couple years now that we've known each other and that I've seen these incredible changes in her business and these tweaks and pivots she's taken along the way that now she is so incredibly happy and fulfilled and excited about her business. But it didn't happen overnight. It took some work. It took, you know, really rolling up her sleeves. And it took making some hard decisions. Doing hard things is a big part of this journey. And what she said to me after we had this little catch-up date, I was so excited about what she's been up to and her big cross-country road trip she's going to tell you all about in our conversation. But what really came to mind and what she said was, I wish I would have heard more stories about this journey and not the highlights, but really the hard moments, the hard decisions, the times where you really have to 
lean into the the challenge and you have to lean in with so much faith that you can make it happen. That would have helped me so much more. More people need to hear about what we just talked about this journey over the first few years. So that's what this series is. Um, Casey is, of course, the person who came up with this great idea as we were checking in with each other a few months ago. So I'm so excited to kick off with Casey Berglund. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Let's dive in. Hey there, Rachel Cook here, and welcome back to this week's special episode on Uncomplicate Your Business. I am joined by my dear friend and client, Casey Berglund of worthyandwell.com, and I'm so excited to have her jump on as our special guest this week. So welcome, Casey. Thanks for being here. It's so great to be here. I'm excited to chat with you today. So as we kind of dive in, I want to first start with Tell everybody a little bit about Worthy and Well and what is it that you do? Sure. Um, Worthy and Well is a business that's here to help smart, soulful women feel free in their relationship with food and more confident in their bodies so that they have more energy for the important things in life, whatever that might mean for them, you know, whether it's starting a business or a family or just like being really present with their, their lives and in the world. I just think that um, the space that women take up focusing or obsessing about their bodies and trying to manage their food intake could be used for much bigger, better things. So that's really what we're about. I love it. And I think it's such important work. And, you know, we've, this is a take two of our interview, but before I had mentioned, I remember being at an event where the speaker said this great quote, which is, Mother Teresa would have never done her work in the world if she was worried about the size of her thighs. Yes. And it just really struck home for me because I'm one of those women who have struggled with that exact thing, you know, held myself back in a lot of areas worrying about that. Mm-hmm. And that's why I think your work is so powerful because you're helping people kind of unhook from that trap. So we're going to get into how you got to this message and, and what you're up to, but Right now, let's go back in time, you know, travel back into the DeLorean to when you were starting to think you wanted to go off on your own and become an entrepreneur. How did you get started in this work? Tell us from the very beginning. Oh my gosh. I could be a really long-winded storyteller, so I don't know if you should preface it with from the very beginning. Um, Okay, how about from (laughs) from deciding, because I know you you have a background in nutrition and you're a registered dietitian, which is very like classically trained. Yes. When did you decide to go that path? What got you into that? Um, in, yeah, so I, I mean, I grew up in an entrepreneurial family um, on a farm and my dad was a farmer, but always had these other entrepreneurial things going on the side. So I think that was really part of me growing up. And I think I always knew that I did things a little bit outside of the box and I wanted that freedom to have autonomy and do things my way. And I always felt kind of restricted in conventional settings. So the entrepreneurial piece, I think, was always a part of what I knew I wanted, but I didn't really know how it would manifest. And then, yeah, I did my degree in nutrition. And while I was in that degree, we were kind of being honed into 
where most of the jobs are, which is in a clinical nutrition setting. Yeah. So in the healthcare system, in the hospital system. And that just didn't feel right for me. But luckily, I had a placement in part of my internship that was more of a private practice sort of setting where I did get to create presentations and work with clients one on one. And just like support them in whatever way felt felt good. And so that to me was one of my first experiences of being like, you know what, I really like running my own show and I really like doing things my way. Um, and I also felt like I could make a bigger difference with that freedom. Yeah. So I knew kind of early on in my nutrition degree that I wanted to do something entrepreneurial with it. Um, and again, didn't really know how it would manifest. And then right after I was done my internship, I did uh, an intensive yoga teacher training. And that really opened up my eyes to that whole world as well. And so right away out of university, I was working in a more traditional job, but I started to, you know, respond to people who would reach out about, you know, helping them in a private practice sort of way on the side. And I was also teaching group yoga classes and, you know, the very typical yoga teacher route as well. So at the beginning, I'd always sort of dabbled in what it would look like to do what I do mm -hmm. in an entrepreneurial way, but it wasn't really focused and it wasn't really intentional and it was very reactive, kind of like if someone reached out, I would help them solve a problem. And okay. I mean, that's the basics of having a business, right? It's helping your client solve a problem. So I guess I was doing that right out of school. Um, but then it was kind of like a, a long-ish path figuring out how I wanted to focus that and direct it. And I think there were a lot of bumps along the way in that. And I love that you share that you did go the route of, you did take on the traditional path. You know, you went on, did the jobs that were recommended. Mm -hmm. You also added in yogi, you know, teaching yoga. Mm -hmm. um, we know so many yogis who also, it's like, I'm a yoga teacher and a health coach and a nutritionist and I do essential oils. It's like, I'm a yoga yeah, teacher totally. end, which is common because we have so many people who you're just interested in a lot of things. So at what point or what happened for you in your journey when you realized, okay, it's time to make this leap what did that decision-making process look like? Because at that point, you've got this degree in nutrition. Yeah. Got experience working for someone else's private practice. Yeah. Had some people reaching out to you and you've been teaching yoga. So it's a lot of like things that are kind of scattered around and nothing mm -hmm. really cohesive. So what did that decision-making yeah. process look like for you? As soon as you asked that question, I got chills throughout my whole body because I haven't really reflected on this in a, in a while, but I was working part-time at a private clinic here in Calgary after I moved to Calgary. And um, I did have a website that was just my name, caseyberglin.com, and I was blogging about nutrition and mindful eating and t a tiny, tiny bit around the overlap between yoga and nutrition. Um, and I was building this private practice on the side, so that was growing while I was working. But the turning point really was a six-week trip to Southeast Asia, where I took a break, and I was in Thailand for a little bit, and then in Bali. And the whole time that I was on this trip, I was kind of thinking like, oh, you know, what am I supposed to get out of this trip? I had this almost expectation of a big aha. Um, and I was traveling with a friend who was having these big ahas in her own life. But it was just kind of like, well, you know, I, I kind of know what I'm doing. I'm on this path. And, and then I spent the last five days at this silent retreat in Bali. Um, 
which was really hard at the beginning because I talk a lot. <laughs> but it was literally yoga three times a day, meditation, um, reading, prayer, just a very, in a gorgeous setting in mm -hmm. Bali. And it was actually a meditation experience where it was my first experience of having this like deep inner knowing that was beyond just using meditation for relaxation and, you know, stress management, which I knew it was good for, but it was my first experience of, wow, like there's this deep inner knowing of a big shift that I need to make in my life. And it had to do with actually serving people in a, from a place of deep love. And it was all about like self-love and um, super experiential and kind of hard to talk about because it sounds cheesy when I speak it out loud, but this is really the big part of my shift. And I um, came back to Calgary after that trip and I was thinking like, if, if my purpose in the world has to do with self-love for myself and also inspiring that in other people, then I can't be distracted by all these different things that I'm taking on. And I got back and I quit my job and I registered for a yoga for eating disorders training in Arizona, which is a big step for me too. Um, and I just had this knowing that it would work out like a, a sense of trust that Mm -hmm. It would work out. And because I was building business on the side and I was seeing money come in through that, I also did the math and I was like, wow, you know, I'm actually being underpaid in this part-time job and maybe freeing up these hours would actually help me to make more money. Um, so it was less like, less about giving up this big corporate job to do the passion project and yeah. more. I realized that there was this knowing inside my heart and it kind of made sense when I looked at the numbers. And so I just followed through with taking action and, and then I replaced that income in a couple months from, from the job that I'd left, but I was still taking on everything and anything I could get my hands on. Cause I think I was still approaching it out of fear, like fear that I wouldn't make enough money if I didn't say yes to everything. So, I mean, I was doing a lot of work in cancer yeah. care and, you know, teaching workshops and doing one-on-ones. Um, and then I, I guess I found your program, which helped me to focus it even further. So what I really love is that you're sharing these experiences, which to me, I'm thinking, okay, you're pretty young at this point. You took this huge leap to go on a trip through Southeast Asia, and then you quit your part-time job. Like those sound very fearless. And then on the same side of that coin, you're saying, yeah, I'm still acting in fear because I was saying yes to everything because I was worried that it wouldn't be enough or that I couldn't make it work. Yes. Yes. Well, and what you, you know, I remember saying to myself when I was on that silent retreat, I was 25 at the time. And I was thinking, you know, obviously when you're not talking, you're thinking a lot. And I was thinking like, I know people take their whole lives to find their calling and their purpose, but I just had this like ache for it. And I was like, what if, what if I knew what it was at 25? Like what difference could I make in the world then if I knew that early? And so there was that fearless piece, but you're right. It was still into this, oh my God, I'm actually doing this and I actually have to make this work. And so my automatic response from probably my own conditioning was like grip for control and take on everything <laughs> and like hope for the best. So yeah. I love that. And I love that you said you had that moment where you realized, what if I did know my calling at 25? 
Um, because that's about the age I was as well when I was like, I, I can't do this corporate stuff anymore. Like I knew I was meant to live differently and to help people differently than the kind of more traditional path. So I really understand and mm-hmm. resonate with that piece. And I think it's something that it does require you to get still and it does require some inner reflection and also big time, big trust mm-hmm. that even if you get it wrong, even if you, you know, don't do it the right way, you will figure it out. And that's something I love about you is you, you, even when you were saying yes to too many things, it was more like, I I think I could still figure this thing out on my own. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what other big challenges did you run into in that time when you were saying yes to all the things and you were Mm. really taking those big leaps of faith? What other challenges bubbled up for you? It felt like I needed to overwhelm myself in order to make enough money. Like in saying yes to everything and being in a reactive space versus an intentional space, um, I was just like burning out. And I think that's a common story, you know, and sometimes we need to experience burnout time and time again before we like put systems in place. But, and, and also I found because I was doing a very traditional, um, you know, a person comes in for a nutrition assessment, they pay for that one assessment, maybe they do a follow up or a couple of follow ups, or like a small package um, at a relatively low price point. I felt like I was hustling a lot. And um, I wasn't getting the best fit clients necessarily. Um, At that time, I also thought that I was you know, supposed to be doing work in the area of cancer management, because my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. So I was doing a lot in those areas. But I eventually found like, wow, I don't know if this is actually um, it for you either, because it wasn't my story. So I always had that knowing that I wanted to work with like, you know, body image and self love and those pieces. But, but then I kind of would distract myself with different niches that I thought, could be purposeful callings. Ooh, so hold on. I want to talk about this because this is something mm. that we see all the time, right? We see people who want to go out and do their own thing. And especially the people that I work with who mm-hmm. usually they came to their work because of their own path, because of their own story, because of their own transformation. And now they want to help others, but you can often run away from it, right? Oh, that's what I was like, saying. There's something else over here I could do and it could be great. It could be a great opportunity. Maybe I could do that instead. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So So, what finally got you to say yes to the self-love and the body image and the message that you have now, which is more authentic to your story? Sweet spot strategy, formerly conscious business design, (laughs) Rachel. (laughs) Big plug, girl. Um, Literally, I think I've been already thinking about some of these things where I'm like, okay, here's this. Um, 45 year old woman who's in early menopause because of her breast cancer diagnosis on tamoxifen and going through hot flashes and all this stuff. And, and I could empathize and I could totally serve that client and they would be satisfied with what I was providing them with. But at the end of the day, I was like, I don't get it. Like I will, I, you know, knock on wood, hopefully I will never understand this scenario. And I just knew that, wow, I'm like, 
working in my mom's story. And prior to that, I thought I was going to do work in like gut health because my dad had Crohn's and, but that was like his story. And so in your program at the very beginning, when we talk about that sweet spot and where your passions align with your, you know, like academic credibility, uh, kind of like where the personal and the professional come together in a way that provides value for the client. Yeah. That's where I got really honest and clear. And I mean, this was just coming off of that trip too. It was a few months later that I jumped into your program. Um, but I got very clear about the fact that I had big struggles with food in my body growing up. And I had basically undiag an undiagnosed eating disorder growing up in a rural community. And I really struggled with it for mm -hmm. years. And that it was from that place that I decided to go to study nutrition at university and and that yoga really opened my mind into this world of mindfulness and self-love and helped me to really heal my relationship with my body. And so it kind of forced me to get honest and open. And I think I was ready to be vulnerable with my own story. And I also knew that from that authentic space, I would connect with any potential client on a much deeper level than the um, breast cancer survivors I was trying to help based on my experience as a supporter of a breast cancer survivor. It wasn't my story. So yeah. um, that brought me a lot of clarity. And it also helped me to set up some boundaries around what I say yes to and what I say no to and where I kind of take my business. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. I, and what's been really interesting now is um, anybody who's been in my world, you, people know I've run this program for over five years now. So we've had mm -hmm. hundreds of people go through it. And one of my favorite parts of that mm -hmm. is not just when people go through the first time and have that first like, aha, and I remember you going through it the first time and you had that first aha and you were like, I think there's a way I can bring together this like classical nutrition and this mindfulness and kind of like self-love piece. Mm -hmm. It wasn't really out there, but you also kind of held back from that just a little bit. And I watched you kind of, you're like, I could do this. This is what I want to talk about, but mm. let's talk about this and create, you know, the fuel flavor fun brand, which I remember yeah. we spent a lot of time on. Um, yeah. So tell me about, you know, having that moment of this is the direction I want to go, but also not quite letting yourself really lean into it because oh. it took you a little while. It's not oh like it, you did it and then you just leapt into it. You, you found yeah. that and then you kind of like danced with it a little bit. A whole bunch of shit came up around <laughs> that. It was like, and, and honestly, I will say in the last year specifically, I've been doing a ton of personal work with mm -hmm. a coach who I actually found from your program as well, that's been helping me look at my conditioning from having a degree in nutrition and what a registered dietitian as a regulated health professional is supposed to look like and supposed to do and like really looking at the conditioning around that and kind of stripping it away a little bit mm -hmm. to help me come to what's true and honest. And so I think it's just been in the last year that I've been allowing this, and I would call it more spiritual side, more like the side of me that's really rooted in Eastern philosophy, um, letting that come out more. Um, but for the first even year of Worthy and Well, I felt like moving into Worthy and Well was a big leap from what I was doing before, but it still wasn't what I really wanted to do. And it was still safe. So it was like I had to kind of tip my toe into like, you know, talking a bit about mindfulness, which is pretty mainstream, but it's not like 
the depths of yoga philosophy, right? Yeah. Um, so tipping my toe into that and then being like, okay, like it's safe. And actually my dietitian colleagues don't hate me or think that I'm doing something totally wrong or bad. Like it's weird the fears that come up when you feel like you're doing something a little bit outside the box. Absolutely. Um, so it's been a huge process, but I would say, especially in the last year, as I've done more focused personal work, at looking at that conditioning, have I been able to feel more comfortable bringing more of my true self to my business? So I, I love that. And I remember when you first designed your brand, which is a beautiful brand, like anybody, if you want an example of just a beautiful brand, Casey, oh, I just want to change it all at this point. You so just want to change it all, which of course is how we always feel like. Yes, just exactly. it. But I remember when you were creating it and then you had these beautiful photos taken and it was like, even then we could see the mindfulness piece was going to start creeping in in the way you were designing it and bringing it forward. But now it's just gotten so much deeper and richer, um, which is really fun to watch evolve. And that's the journey I often see people on. Like once they, it's like you spend a lot of time when you decide to become an entrepreneur, you're trying to figure out exactly where you're going because there's so many choices, right? Mm -hmm. And then finally you laser down on that path but you still are dancing around a little bit. Like you kind of know where you want to go, but you're going to dance around a little bit until finally you get to a point where you're like, oh, now I'm laser focused. This is where I want to go. And for you, it was interesting to watch because I remember one thing I do remember that pops up, you shared this post on probably Facebook or Instagram, but it was like a picture of you when you were a lot younger. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know which one I'm talking about? It was like, I think it was a modeling picture or something. And you were just so vulnerable and honest about, where you were at that point and the transformation you've gone through to today, Mm -hmm. um, no longer being like fighting those demons and dealing with Mm -hmm. the eating disorder and everything else, even though people may have praised you for it and here you are being a model. Yeah. And and then you um, contrasted it with where you are today. And I just remember reading all the comments that came through and people were just like, whoa, Mm-hmm. Yes, this is amazing. And from that point, I could see like your confidence building and saying, I need to talk about this more. This mm-hmm. is what I need to really be focusing on and highlighting. And then you're sharing more and more and more. And mm-hmm. it's been awesome to see you get more focused on it. So tell me now, you know, you're a couple years into Worthy and Well. Mm-hmm. You, you started with adding in the mindfulness kind of like in baby steps. And now you're teaching a whole program, a whole class on nutrition and yoga. So tell me how that got started and what that's been like. Uh, I think I always wanted to do that. Like I've always felt like I wanted to almost be more into yoga and layering the science of nutrition on top, Mm -hmm. but I wouldn't let myself do that because I just invested a lot of time and money in a nutrition degree that I felt should be the primary focus. But if I'm really honest with myself, my yoga practice has transformed me more than learning about science ever could. Um, And though I love science, it's really yoga that's been the most healing practice for me personally. And I've seen that be a healing practice for other people as well. Um, And so it's really been in the last year, I um, decided to just go for it and develop this yoga for mindful eating program, Mm -hmm. um, where yoga and yoga philosophy really is at the core of it all. And some of the nutritional pieces are being layered in, but it's more about yoga philosophy as a way to explore relationship with food and body. Um, And, and then in doing that and 
also experiencing from colleagues, instead of them um, shunning me, which I feared they would do for bringing yoga into a very scientific field, they were showing a lot of respect. And I realized that there was a gap in our training where there is a lot of fear around going outside the box, mm-hmm. and that there was room for dietitians to learn about how mindfulness and yoga and yoga philosophy could actually really enhance their connection with their clients and help their clients deal with some of those issues that are beyond food. And I felt like where my niche was and what I became really gifted at in my one-on-one sessions was actually talking about like the root of the emotional eating and the reason why people are running from their pain and trying to seek pleasure and what what that's all about. And I felt equipped to do that work through my experience in yoga and yoga philosophy, which is kind of like a psychology practice, right? And so in developing the yoga for mindful eating, I also decided to develop a training for registered dietitians, which is a yoga for dietitians course. And the concept of both of those programs is very similar and the themes are the same. Um, But there's also something special when you bring a bunch of um, colleagues together who have similar experience and similar, just like like minds who want to learn about how to use some of these Eastern philosophies and practices to enhance their own practice. So I ran both of those programs live in Calgary face to face um, for the first time in the fall. Mm -hmm. And then just wrapped up another round and I wanted to run them in person to get feedback, but also because selfishly I was feeling really isolated doing only online work. Um, so that just filled, filled me up. I just loved it so much. And yeah. that's what I've been building off of. I love that. And so Casey is what I would consider under my sweet spot themes. I think of Casey. And in fact, I believe I wrote about Casey. <laughs> all about being a maven because you are somebody who has been able to build your brand, especially in the last couple of years around being on stages and being on the local news networks and um, speaking and being in person. Like that is a big piece of who you are and like your secret sauce and what you bring differently to that whole world. So I totally see the importance for you of having some in-person element, whether it's local or down the road, just, you know, events that you host in general. Um, And I really love that you started in person because I see such a value for people designing new programs. When you have the opportunity to really like see in people's eyes, how it's resonating, how it's landing. And you really get so much more insight from your students when you're in the same room um, Mm -hmm. than when you take it online hundred percent, because sometimes you might be in the same virtual room, but you can't see them or hear them or tell what's mm-hmm. going on. So now when you do make that transition, just like you saw with your previous programs, it'll, mm-hmm. it'll be a little bit easier because you already know what to expect. So that's yeah. amazing. I love that. So now that you've, you know, developed these new level of your programs, it's not just working one-on-one or um, having kind of a group mindful eating program, but also you have almost like, what we would call in other worlds, a train the trainer program. So teach them how to do kind of work similar to what you do or teach them what you know, so they can implement it with their own students or clients. Where do you see yourself going next? What is the next big 
thing for Worthy and Well, for you, Casey, mm. in the coming maybe year or two in your business? Where are you going? Well, right in this moment, I'm working at turning yoga for mindful eating and living into an online program so that people could do the yoga practices and the meditations and the journaling and everything that's involved with that program um, from their own homes. And I recognize that that will be a different experience than being live with me because, I mean, something I've learned in my, again, year of this like personal development work is that me just showing up as me offers a lot, like regardless of what I know or what I share, just the energy that I bring to the table live. I really think that that, that is my sweet sauce as, as a maven. It is. And, Absolutely. It's been, there's been a little bit of, of fear around turning it into an online program, but at the same time, I want there to be that ability to leverage this program and for people from all over the world to be able to access it um, while recognizing that that live in-person piece is so, so valuable to me and to my clients. And so I am in the process of creating an online version of that program and an online version of yoga for dietitians or for nutrition professionals. Um, but then I definitely plan on creating a weekend retreat intensive training for yoga for mindful eating and living and yoga for dietitians. As well, I'm going on a road trip across Canada this summer. And so I guess by the time that this episode airs, I'll be in the middle of my road trip. Um, so it's going to be kind of mid June to mid August. Yeah. And I'm driving across the country and I'll be teaching two hour yoga for mindful eating and living workshops at most of the major cities across Canada. Um, and so that's going to be, that's really on my mind right now, just the planning of the road trip, the creation of the online course. And then I've also put a deposit down for my 500 hour yoga teacher training in India in October. So when you ask about the next year, I'm like, well, the next year is pretty uh, laid out on the table. <laughs> it's really this, this big road trip. I want to connect with people and build community um, and offer something of value live in person, but then be able to suggest, like, if you want more, you can do this online program. Um, and then I want to let myself lean into just the yogi spiritual side that I just want to soak up the energy of, of India and do a bit of travel and hopefully be able to hopefully be able to run a business from anywhere, you know, like I think that's kind of an online business person's dream. Yes. Um, so that's, that's so really exciting. in the works. Yeah. I love it. And it's like everything you're doing, I see how it's all just coming together so beautifully for you. Mm -hmm. The ability to meet people in person and, and share what you know, having mm -hmm. it also online, it's just like another layer of mm -hmm. your business, mm -hmm. but it doesn't necessarily need to be all of your business. And I think this yeah. is so important because for people who are like you, who are mavens or mentors or just need that connection or more extroverted, you know, it's easy when you think about getting an online business or having an online business that it's being at home in your yoga pants behind a computer, which sounds great for about a week. And then mm -hmm. you realize, it's not for everybody. <laughs> yeah. And your business doesn't have to look like that. It could look different. It could have a, a few things. It could be a hybrid. It could have some things that are in person, some things that are online. It could have retreats. It could have, you know, a road trip across Canada with pop-up 
yoga studio workshops, which I just think sounds yeah. so fun yeah. for you especially. So I'm so excited to hear about how that goes and to kind of follow you around on Instagram and yes. what you're up to. So hopefully, hopefully um, people, the folks listening, hopefully they have time to like catch a workshop if they're in ca Canada and on the, yeah. you know, following along with the journey. Um, so it's exciting. Mm -hmm. So knowing what you know now, you know, several years into this entrepreneurial journey, the big leaps of faith, the big trust you had to lean into, mm -hmm. what is the biggest piece of advice you would give to someone who is standing where you were, you know, coming out of school, trying to figure out what do I do when I don't think I'm going to fit into the typical mold? What would you tell to somebody who thinks they might be secretly an entrepreneur? Mm. I think there's two things. Can I share two things? Sure. <laughs> okay. Um, one, I mean, it, it kind of sounds a little woo-woo, but I think trust the inner knowing. You know, I did, while I was in university, I went to this, like, marketing workshop at some point, and I remember telling the guy at that point, the guy that was leading mm -hmm. it, that it just like breaks my heart, the amount of energy women put towards bashing their bodies and like controlling their food intake. And I said that to him then. And that was long, long, long before I got into, um, you know, working with cancer survivors and doing all this other sort of entrepreneurial stuff. But there was that knowing inside of me for a long, long time. There was a knowing when I was a little kid and in school that like, oh, I remember saying to myself, I just want everyone to feel like worthy and feel good enough and feel like valuable. Um, so there are these threads that I think flow through your whole lifespan that we can kind of ignore it or get distracted and, and not really see. But it's okay to like let yourself follow this little tiny nudge inside. Um, so that's one thing I would say. And then the second piece is actually something that I've been really thinking about a lot this week is more to do with, I, I guess, coming back to that theme of worthiness, which is, mm -hmm. you know, part of my business name. So it's obviously really important to me, but um, to not expect anything on the outside, whether that is your body and your weight or your business, to not think that success in those areas is going to lead to feeling that deep sense of worthiness and love. Um, and I say that because I've also realized in this entrepreneurial journey that sometimes just like I used to think making my body smaller or changing my body would make me feel good enough or loved or valuable. Um, we can sometimes transfer that onto things like business and success in business is going to make you feel a certain way. And I think in just, you have to do that inner work, that personal work to feel valuable and worthy with or without the business. Otherwise you don't feel like you're really succeeding. And I don't think that's talked about enough. I so love that you shared that because it is something we see in the entrepreneurial world where people are just constantly chasing the next, you know, the next level <laughs> in their business, you know, hitting some elusive revenue goal or serving mm -hmm. X number of people and they get there and end up feeling like, is this it? 
Mm -hmm. different. And then they instantly set the next thing. So their goal setting is great, but you have to goal set with intention, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's just like the same thing with, with nutrition and health. Like mm -hmm. to a size six pair of skinny jeans doesn't matter if you put those skinny jeans on and you still feel terrible about your life. Totally. So we have to make sure it's always coming from that place of intention and what's really important to you, what really matters to you in your life. Yeah. Well, and there's no, you know, you've kind of shared in, in just our conversation today about how like I have this clarity now with what I'm doing in my business. And honestly, just this morning I had a conversation with a girl about having like an identity crisis and not really knowing where I'm going and all this stuff. And it's like, that's going to happen, especially for people of my personality type, where I'm just interested in so many things where you, you get this clarity and then it gets all shaken up. And I think the message is like, that's all okay. And sometimes things get uglier and messier before they get clearer. But at the end of the day, you have to feel worthy enough and good enough without the business and without the body and without the, all those other things. Um, and I think when people come at business from that place of worthiness and not needing the business to validate their lives, they bring so much more to the table. And I'm on that journey right now. I'm not there yet. I think it's like a lifelong journey. Agreed. It probably is. I'm still going through it myself. So mm -hmm. thank you so much, Casey. I absolutely loved this conversation and I hope that people head over to your website, worthyandwell.com. And where is your favorite place for people to find you online and especially follow this exciting journey you're going on this summer? Yeah, well, I would say my favorite place these days is Instagram. Um, and, and I do have a Facebook group that is, is awesome to be involved with as well, but mostly Instagram at worthyandwell. And I will be posting about the journey. So it'll be exciting. So awesome. Well, thank you yeah. so much for sharing this time with me. Thank you so much for having me. It's just such an honor. I hope that you are just so inspired by everything Casey shared around her entrepreneurial journey. And if you just take one thing away from our conversation, it's to listen to your intuition. Your intuition really is your best business advisor. And you can hear in her story and her journey so many times where she knew what she really wanted to do. She knew what she really wanted to share with people, but always felt like she wasn't quite ready or maybe something else needed to happen first. No, that was what she was supposed to be doing. So remember to lean into your intuition and that will always guide you in the right direction. Thanks again for being here. I can't wait to connect with you again for the next very special interview in this series with Casey's business BFF, Veronica Grant. Talk soon.